Shake hands with somebody, give them a high five, and then you may take your seat. Thank you, singers and musicians. Well, the sun is shining, everything looks great. And uh, thank you for everybody who prayed for us. We did something brand new this week so that Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday morning, we were here at 8 a.m. and we were broadcasting Facebook Live. It'll also be available on YouTube in the future, uh, or maybe it already is. Uh, we broadcast from here at 8 a.m. to Indonesia, Facebook Live. Isn't that something? Sonia, stand up, Sonia, in the back there. Sonia, what a blessing she is. She speaks Indonesian. She's a member of our church there. She was here reading things, and we'd never done this before. I like to try new things. I like to explore new things. And so we, 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 first of all, I couldn't believe for just a few hundred dollars how many people engaged with our advertisement. Almost a million and a half uh, that, that were engaged at 1.3 or something. And then, then we had, uh, you know, tens of thousands of people who, uh, who, who tuned in and listened. And um, I just happened to see here, there's still a piece of paper here from that because we finished just, just uh, in one of the segments, people were receiving salvation in uh, different cities in Sumatra and West Java and Sulawesi, North Sulawesi and Papua, all over, uh, you know. So that was a great way to try something brand new. And uh, people were able to just go to my website here and then they could just click and, and, and they would get the enlightenment book just downloaded and people were doing that and people were receiving healing and I, I haven't heard now since Friday, but I'm sure because those programs, you know, they just keep being aired. So there's more and more people that see it. So I think to me what stands, I think it was a man in, in Kalimantan, which is also known as Borneo, a Muslim man. He just uh, sent a message on Facebook saying, well, you know, my wife had a tumor on her shoulder. It just disappeared when you prayed on Facebook, you know. So, so I, this was something brand new for us that uh, uh, the Lord could do that. But if we hadn't had people like Sonia, we would have not had a clue what was going on. So, so uh, she's small but mighty, anyhow, helping us there. And, and we, we appreciate her so much. Well, so that was great. You know, you got to try new things. You know, today, you, you, I have a new Bible even. Can you imagine? I have a new Bible. Here I am, I've been preaching since I was 16 years old, and I'm actually changing my Bible. No, I'm not changing the Bible. I'm going to be preaching from the New American Standard Bible going forward because uh, I think all indications are that that is the one that maybe has every little word most checked and is very good with the Greek and Hebrew language. And so I thought, well, I can change. I'm not too old to change. How about you? Look at your neighbor and say, are you too old? You can't even change? Or, 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 or do you still have it in you? So it's a big thing. I, I just had to think about it carefully because all the scripture verses I have memorized, I, knew, I know in the New King James. So it still may be a little bit of a mixture, but, but you know, you can change. Turn to your neighbor and say, you can change. It's possible. I hear Betty Nora was shouting. She probably already had the New American Standard, so she was way ahead of me, all right? And, and don't be proud, Betty, now I'm, you know, but uh, whatever, you know, it's all right. I just, I, personally, I like to have a real Bible translation. Many of you read the Passion Bible or the Message Bible. Those are not uh, translations. Those are paraphrases. And so I, I, I treasure the Scripture, so I like to have a real translation from the Hebrew and the Greek. And then you can read the others for casual reading. But that's why uh, I'm a stickler for that. All right, that went over well. Whew, I feel such a flow here. 
Well, today, we're at the beginning of the new decade. And uh, I wanted to preach some messages here that, that could be very important as we think about our life. Now, many years ago, I dare say before I knew any one of you personally, I sat down and did a study and I said, are there, are there principles and laws of success in Scripture that are rooted in the Bible? And so I studied this out. This is before Dean Morris was born. He, he wasn't even born when I was doing this. And, and, and so I, I, I have some notes and I could see it, but oh, because there was the old selectric typewriter I had used, you know, you, you know, so that was and he doesn't even know what that is. He, he, he doesn't know what I'm talking about. But this was way before the laptop era. So I have no notes like that. And, and so, of course, I, you know, you grow a little bit. You learn a little bit. But, but basically, I think I want to share that with you today. Could that be helpful to us? I've, I've tried to live by, by these and, and apply these in my life. But I, so I want to start by reading some scripture verses. Our topic is seven laws of success God's way. 1 Corinthians 3, 21 to 22. Let no one boast in men or in people, for all things belong to you, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world. Say that the world belongs to me. Now, you didn't want to say that. That's what it says here. Say the world belongs to me. Or, or life, or death, or things present, or things to come. All things belong to me. So there's no need for any one of us to compare ourselves with others or to envy others. There is no limits within what God intended for you, what you can achieve. And so this word success is a little bit tainted. It sounds a little bit worldly. So I would like to define it. I have had for many years too definitions in my mind, and they, they, they collaborate, they go together, that success is to be who you were created to be, to do what you were intended to do, and to have all that you need to accomplish your purpose. So we're not talking about money or bank accounts or this or businesses or houses. We're talking about to be who God intended and purposed you to be. And then to do what, what, what goes with that, and then to have the resources to accomplish that. Another definition for success that has been with me for all these years is success is the progressive realization of worthwhile goals. Notice the word progressive. See, we want instant. See, if you won the lottery, hope you didn't buy any tickets, but if you did, that's not success, that's luck. <laughs> success is progressive. There's a struggle. There's some work with it. And there's some fun in the struggle. And it's for worthwhile goals. You could succeed in something that isn't worthwhile. You, you could succeed in something that is right down ungodly. So we're talking about worthwhile goals. And I know that if you're here this morning, you have some worthwhile goals and you want to have some worthwhile goals. It could be that that you want to do something great for the gospel. Maybe you want to be involved in giving. Maybe you want to raise a great family. Maybe you want to build a business. Maybe you want to manufacture a product. Maybe you want to pursue an education. It could be a number of areas. 
And so it's something worthwhile. And so when I talk about laws, I'm not talking about law as in the law of Moses, a, a religious law. I'm talking about a law as the law of gravity as a fixed principle. And so I want to give you seven. Are you with me? Normally it could take me three Sundays to preach this, so I'm going the fast version now. And if you're taking notes, come with me here. Number one, the law of legitimacy. Every one of these laws are rooted in God's grace. And I want to read some scripture verses so you understand what I'm saying with that. 2 Peter 1.3, His divine power has granted to us everything, everything pertaining to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us. So everything belongs to you. His divine power has granted to us not only eternal life, not only godly and spiritual, what we consider spiritual pursuits, but everything that concerns your life. At Romans 4.13, the promise to Abraham or to his descendants that he would be the heir of the world. Say that, heir of the world. We are so accustomed to think, oh, this world is not my home. That's why you hesitated when I had you say something about the world a moment ago. But here it says that, that the promise to Abraham and to his descendants that he would be the heir of the world was through the righteousness of faith. So yes, we are to possess and inherit this world. Uh, the Bible says the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, and all the people that dwell in it. And so we are thinking in terms of affecting this world. We're talking about you and I being in this world and being everything God intended us to be. One more scripture verse, Galatians 3.29. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's descendants and heirs according to the promise. And so we know that God promised Abraham uh, many, many blessings. Abraham came out of Egypt. He was, it says he was rich in everything. And, and so it says here, if you belong to Christ, because Christ is Abraham's seed. The Bible is very clear that Abraham's seed is not a nationality. It is Christ himself who is Abraham's seed. But if you belong to Christ, how many here say, I belong to Christ? Okay, shout that. I belong to Christ then you are Abraham's descendants or seed according to the promise. These three verses summarize what I'm saying is that everything, everything, all things, including wealth and knowledge, everything legitimately by creation and by redemption belongs to Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is Lord. The earth is the Lord. Everything legitimately belongs to him, not to the devil. And then with that, we are joint heirs with Christ. Therefore, we make a legitimate claim to everything that is provided through Christ. So I'm saying to you in my first law, you are not a pretender. You're not an intruder. Maybe you were raised to think, well, you know, success or influence, that's not for people like us. That's for some other group. Or our family never achieved in this area or that area. No, you have legitimacy. 
If anybody is going to be blessed, it should be you. Oh, that one. I, I, I said, if anyone should do well, why not you? You are a joint heir with Christ. If anyone should prosper, why not you? You say, oh, I don't want that filthy money. Well, you want other people who don't even believe in Jesus to have the filthy money. At least you can clean it up. Is that right? You have legitimacy through Jesus Christ. You are a legitimate joint heir to everything. So go and take it. That's my first one. I got to move fast now. The second law is the law of self-assessment or of accurate assessment. John 1:42. Jesus looked at Simon Peter and said, "You are Simon, the son of Jonah. You shall be called Cephas, which is translated Peter." Now, you know in the Bible, much more so than today, names had meaning. And the word Simon means weak, wavering, unreliable. So when Jesus says, you are Simon, he's saying right now, let me tell you, let me assess who you are. You are a weakling. You are wavering. You, 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 you can't be trusted. You have no inner fortitude. And that is really how Simon was. But he said, you shall be Cephas which is translated Peter, which means stone or small rock. It means you're going to be strong. You're going to have fortitude. You're going to be reliable. You're going to be immovable. You're going to be solid. Jesus is doing an assessment of Simon Peter. This is what you are, and this is what you're going to be. So how do you see it? Where am I? Where am I going to be? It's a good question for everyone to ask. Do you see something beautiful? Do you see something great? The story is told of the great uh, artist, the great sculptor, Michelangelo, that on one occasion he was traveling with his assistant who would uh, retrieve rocks for, that he could sculpture and chisel. And he saw this, this rock by the side of the road. It looked uh, very rough. And he said, I want that in my workshop. And the assistant said, well, what are you going to do with that? He said, I see an angel in that rock. Let me chisel on it. There'll be an angel coming out. What do you see? You say, I'm just a, a rough, you know, I don't know. Or do you see that there's an angel in you? Do you see potentially? You know, when I was going through these notes, because I thought, I, I, I said, I, I, I taking a, a, a clipping from a magazine, I have no idea what magazine, I have no idea, because it's before Dean was born. So I can't remember, but I found it, and it, I had glued it on here. And, and so I'm going to read you this story that I wrote down a hundred years ago, or more, uh, no less. Uh, uh, here it is. There's a story about a Native American who went up high into the mountain and robbed an eagle's nest. He put an egg back, he brought an egg back to the reservation and put it among the eggs of the prairie chickens. Soon the eagle egg hatched. When the little eaglet came out of the shell and saw only prairie chickens running around, scratching in the dirt and hunting insects, he figured he was a prairie chicken too. Hmm. So he, the eagle, did what they did. He ran around on the ground, scratching in the dirt and chasing bugs like every other prairie chicken. 
He didn't know he was an eagle, so he lived his life like a prairie chicken. As the eagle had matured, one day he looked up at the sky and saw a mighty eagle with its great wings spread, soaring effortlessly and gracefully on the currents of the wind. Enthralled, the eagle on the ground asked another one of the older prairie chickens, what is that thing flying in the sky? Look at it. What a wingspan, how majestic. It floats so beautifully high up in the sky. And the prairie chicken looked at the eagle and said, oh, that's an eagle. But don't you worry about it. You'll never be like one of them. You see, you get the moral of the story. Did God destine you to be an eagle? And you're running around chasing bugs like a prairie chicken? Well, what do you see? Do you say, I'm just a, I'm just a dirt-scratching prairie chicken? I'm just a bug chaser, squawking and walking down here? Or do you see, God made me for something greater? How do you assess the situation? You know, it, it says about the rich young ruler who came to Jesus, I think he was destined to be an eagle. But he stayed a chicken. Don't stay a chicken. Tell your neighbor, don't stay a chicken if God destined you to be an eagle. Uh, uh, think of the people in the Bible. There are so many. The Gadarene running around naked, dirty, filthy, smelling, stinking. But he was destined for something greater. And when he was delivered, it says he went to Decapolis and preached the good news. Deca means ten, polis means cities. He went to ten cities. Not bad for a guy running around naked, inflicting wounds and bruises on himself. He became a good news carrier to ten cities. There's hope for everyone. And so the law of self-assessment is assess where things are. Quit daydreaming. Don't be vain in your assessment. Don't fantasize about being things that God never gifted you to be. Oh, that was so good. i got to find a different way to say that. Don't insist on what God never intended for you. Don't be that stuff. But, but, but recognize gaps, flaws, lack. I say, I see potential in God. You know, nowadays we have all these social media and, and we use Facebook, you heard me say it. But you know, all those social media, they are not conducive to this principle. Because have you noticed on Facebook, everybody is taking a picture of their beautiful dinner and their ice cream cone. You, you know, everybody's life looks so perfect, doesn't it? Everybody else is having such a perfect life. They're hanging out with their friends because they can't do a thing. Some people can't even brush their teeth without taking a picture to show the world I'm brushing my teeth, you know. So they say, I'm, I'm really moving. I'm doing this and I'm doing that. And, oh, I just closed the deal this morning. I'm working another deal. Some people have to share everything. And there you say, oh, my life is falling apart. <laughs> oh, look at all these people on Instagram. Oh, you, you see, it's a little bit of a problem we have because 
people live in a fantasy world about themselves. You can make yourself look to be really great. You know, you say, oh, I'm on tour. I'm doing a tour across America right now. I'm appearing in New York City. You just put the New York City skyline right there and superimpose your picture. People think you're having a big meeting there. You just went to go on the subway back and forth a couple of times. Uh, and then next time I'm in L.A., you know, then uh, you, you, you can make things look so glamorous, but it's not suitable for self-assessment. Self-assessment demands honesty. Where am I at? But what is my potential in God? It's a good question to ask yourself. Are you ready for more? And, and let me say, God's grace enables us to answer that question. If you know the unmerited, unearned, undeserved grace and favor and love of, of Jesus Christ, you are free to be honest. You don't have to put up a fantasy picture. You can be honest because you know that even if there are flaws, with God in me, I will overcome. But uh, yeah, go ahead and clap a little bit for that. Now, law number three, the law of determination or perseverance, I sometimes put it. That's a distinguishing mark of leaders. They don't quit. Quitting is a temptation for everyone. You know, the there were 12 spies that went into the promised land, but only two who refused to quit. Jacob wrestled with God all night. The woman who came to Jesus on behalf of her daughter who had a demon, and at first she got a negative response. Jesus said, I'm now going to the, to the people of of the Jewish people for this, for this time limited. I'm here for the house of Israel. But she kept insisting. And when he said, well, healing is the children's bread, she said, just give me a crumb. She would not be denied. Jesus' intensity in prayer. He prayed until he had sweat drops of blood. You know, I could use examples from the Bible. I could use examples from, you know, Thomas Edison famously was quoted as saying that his inventions was 2% inspiration and 98% perspiration. I think one of the greatest examples, you probably heard this, but it's worth considering, is Abraham Lincoln, the great president of the United States. And I had to review because I wrote it down with all the spiritual principles. He, in 1832, he was a member of the U.S. of the Army. He entered what was called the Black Hawk War. And when the war started, he was a captain in the Army. When the war ended, he had been demoted to a private. Wow. Then he started a business, but it failed, and he had to sell the tools. Then he ran for the state legislature, failed. Ran for Congress, failed. Ran to be the commissioner of the general land office, failed. He ran for the Senate, failed. He tried to become a vice president, he failed. And then, I guess you know he became president. If you didn't, I'm just telling you. <laughs> you know, I used to have a, I still do, I like to have a big rhinoceros from Africa, a sculpture. I have a rhino on my bookshelf. Sometimes I move it so it's right in front of me. If I feel I need extra inspiration, I call it, I practice the rhinoceros principle. You know, a rhino, they pick up a scent 
and they can't be stopped. I'll tell you this, if a rhino is chasing you, if you're on a safari in East Africa and a rhino is chasing you, go and stand in front of a rock and just wait for that sharp horn to approach you and then just before you are pierced, jump the side and he'll run right into the rock and hopefully get a concussion and pass out and you can find some safe place. Because rhinos, they just keep on going. They just don't quit. If they're going to get through something, uh, oh, so, so I, sometimes I have to put my rhinoceros out on the table and say, that's me. You are a rhino, Peter. Here's what I like to say. The number of times that you've been knocked down is of limited interest. What matters is how quickly you got back up again. Don't live a life where things just happen to you, but make you happen to things. Don't worry, that's not an original with me. Leonardo da Vinci said that 500 years ago, but I updated the words a little bit. <laughs> Don't let things happen to you. Make you happen to things. And by the grace of God, I'm laboring more abundantly, Paul says. Yet not I, but the grace of God in me. Are you with me? Determination. Perseverance. Last person standing. I remember my dear friend, he's passed away many years ago. In fact, uh, I was at his funeral and I was, he was one of the last places he ever visited was, was the city where I was in. And he used to preach a sermon called, I did not quit. His name was Lester Summerall. I did not quit. And he would go through a litany. I was almost embarrassed. I heard him preach it so many times, the same sermon. And he would go over and say, well, I remember so-and-so. And they, but they quit. And then he would say, I didn't quit. See, see when, I, when I'm 75, I'll start preaching those kind of sermons. But I'm a little too young yet. You've you got to keep going for a while. Are you with me? Say it. Say it. I'm not going to quit. All right. Number four, make a little list. This is to help you. God's grace will help you to, to, to make these responses. The law of usage. Everything is built on something previous. You know, maybe you were not born into a home of wealth or high education or high status, but everybody has something. Don't look at what you don't have. Look at what you have. Maybe you have a good work ethic. That's great. Maybe you have a curiosity. You know, some people have no curiosity, and so that, that's, a, that's a setback. Be curious. Oh, by the way, church, when I had my last birthday, you gave me a beautiful gift to send me on a holiday. I'm going this week. Tyna and I are going on holiday. So thank you very much. And, and, and so... That's right. Thank you very much. Thank you. I appreciate it. Uh, and, and, and what you gave, just about, I don't know if it was divinely ordered, but it pretty well down to the penny, paid exactly what it cost. So thank you very much. Uh, and so now I got to go and check in my library. I want to learn. I'm curious. I want to learn more things. I, I want a spiritual book. I want a book on economics. I want a book on a biography. I, I want to I learn. You say, well, I thought you'd just go on holiday and go shopping. No, that's the last thing I want to do. Uh, uh, shopping is of the devil. No, no, I wasn't going to say that. Uh, I'm saying, uh, you, you got to, wherever you're at, you got to go further. Are you with me? You have something. 
You, you, have, you have something. You, you know, when I started as a preacher, I had my youth going for me. I was a teenage preacher. They called me the teenage preacher. They wrote in some paper, I remember up here in Peterborough, in the news, it was on the front page, baby-faced evangelist, Peter Youngren comes to town. They don't say that anymore, but at least I had my baby face going for me. Now I got other things going for me. Are you, with, you all have something. Come on now, come on, you have something. Don't look at me like that. Use what you have. You know, everything is built on something else. If you want to be a, a medical doctor, you first have to study biology and chemistry and, and physics, and then you study medicine and the anatomy of the body, and you become an understudy, and everything is built on something else, and one day maybe you're a neurosurgeon. Musicians, you say, I want to be a concert violinist. Well, you've got to start with level one. You've got to start with just a little bit, maybe read a little bit of music. And then you go to level two, and then conservatory three, and it, it's a progressive realization. You know, you know something, it's, it's, it's fascinating, and it, it, it's, it's almost annoying. If you took $100, and you double it, you got 200 in one year, and next year you got 400. You do that for 20 years in a row, you'll have $105 million. If you took one cent, we don't even have cents anymore but I don't want to go as high as a nickel. We just talk about cent. If you took one cent and you double it for 35 years in a row, you have $186 million. I'm merely showing that things are built on something else. You know, God said to Gideon, go in this your might. Well, he says, I don't have any might. Yes, you do. God says you have might. So whatever you have, use that and go with that. So think about it. This is not a hallelujah, praise the Lord teaching. This is for you to think, what have I got? Well, what have you got? Maybe you, maybe you have a very friendly personality. Maybe people get along with you naturally. Or maybe you are, I don't know, maybe you have a great brain to study. I don't know. But you have something. You have something. You know, Elisha didn't just step into his calling just like that. He was busy. He was doing something. He was, he was working on something. So was Timothy. And, and so some people say, well, I only want to do what I'm called to do. I don't know anybody in the whole world that all you get to do is what you're called to do. Because sometimes you have to scrub the floor. Yeah. Say, I'm not called. I want to make sure. I don't do anything until I know that I'm in my calling. And they're so nitpicky. Do anything that's before you to do. Help somebody. Help somebody. Reach out. Be a blessing to somebody. You know, you know, the parable of talents is you have one, make it two. You have five, make it ten. And God's grace will help you with that. Then I got to move along now. Are you with me? The law of unity. Matthew 12, 25. Any kingdom divided against itself is laid waste. And any city or house divided against itself will not stand. You know, this is true in business. If you start a business with someone, do you have the same interest? Is one of you interested in partnering with God for the gospel and, 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 and releasing money from your prophet and the other one isn't? Well, it's a recipe for disaster. Unity. You know, we, we see if there's constant strikes and disunity between uh, management and unions, eventually it might lead to the demise of the company in a home life. If affections are divided, if financial goals are divided, you know, it could be either one of the uh, people in a, in a marriage relationship, if the one person wants to consolidate and say, you know, listen, I think we want to we buy a house someday. 
and the other person says, I just want to spend and spend and spend. It's getting very quiet now here. Ooh, I feel the anointing. So, ooh, I feel a strong, you know. I said, if the one person said, well, you know, we want to honor the Lord, and then we want to kind of work in a way so that we can, we can have a greater security as a family, and the other person says, oh, I just feel I want to spend, I want to spend, I want to spend. Well, you know, eventually you're going to have some problems. Why are you so quiet? You should be encouraging me a little bit. I keep saying to you, people say, oh, I need a breakthrough financially. Well, you just had one last month. Yeah, but I went to the store and I spent that one. So you never got the breakthrough. The store owner got the breakthrough. You never got the breakthrough. The store owner was saying, oh, hallelujah, I got $1,000 here. Go back and pray for more breakthroughs that you're not going to enjoy because I'm going to enjoy them. It's going over good. Don't throw any rotten tomatoes at me here. Unity. A nation must have unity. You know, we have had threats in our history in Canada of, of dividing the country. It's very detrimental. In, in the King James Version, in Acts 2.46, it says that they serve the Lord with singleness of heart. It's great to have a church that's moving in the same direction. And I think, maybe I'm, and I think Pastor Nathan agrees with me, we have a church that kind of has a singleness of heart. I'm just so grateful to be in a church where we don't have to wake up every morning and say, oh, who's complaining now? I'm sure that there are some complaints. I just, I'm sure, you know, because you're humans. But I'm saying, really, we have a good church. Come on, give, give Jesus a big clap for working in you. We have people, look, look at our church. We have so many different nationalities. We have people from every continent, all kinds of different cultures, different food. We, we're just different. But we have a singleness of heart and purpose. That's a great blessing. You know, Genesis 11, the Lord said, this is concerning the building of the Tower of, of Babel, behold, they are one people and they all have the same language. And this is what they began to do. And now nothing which they purpose to do will be impossible for them. So when there's a singleness of purpose, you know, this one thing I do, Paul said. And, and so uh, it's a great thing to have a singleness of purpose. You know, Imagine if you were studying medicine, law, economics, and music all at the same time. You'd fail at everything. You know, so, so singleness of purpose. And God's Spirit will help you. That's what I'm saying. Don't fantasize about things that God never intended for you, but run for that purpose. And you'll know in your heart. Number, number six, are you with me? The law of blessing others. Everything in the universe is built on a system of action and reaction. You push, you push back. You lose your life, you gain your life. And so that, that, that's how everything works. You, you, you plant a seed, you reap a harvest. And, and so to live for others is a great thing. Yeah? Now, Proverbs eleven twenty four: there is one who scatters and yet increases all the more. And there's one who withholds what is justly due, and yet it results only in want. It's more blessed to give than to receive. And it's a fact that you don't lose by giving. You don't lose by it. There's a, what I call an enlightened self-interest. It sounds so selfish. It sounds carnal. I don't know if they have it on the PowerPoint or not. An enlightened self-interest. You know, the Bible says, if you respond to God's grace by being generous, you will reap more. I mean, if for no other reason, first of all, the number one reason I hope in your life is the love of God. The love of Christ compels us. But, but even beyond that, you know, 
we have stories. Job was healed when he prayed for his friends. He forgot his own trouble and he prayed and reached out for somebody else. That's when he was healed. Solomon, the world's wealthiest man, it says about him, he had largeness of heart. That means he, he had a generosity of heart. You know, we have often talked about how and, and I think I shared this here uh, in November sometime after we've been to Israel again. You see the Dead Sea being reduced every time you visit Israel. There's less and less of the Dead Sea because the Dead Sea only has inflow but no outflow. So strangely enough, though it has inflow of water, and no outflow. Somehow the water gets trapped there. It's not flowing. It becomes salty and it is evaporates through condensation. And I say, that's how Christians are. If we have no outflow, we become salty. You know, like Lot's wife. <laughs> you know, we, we, we become bitter. Uh, but the Sea of Galilee, uh, in contrast, has inflow and outflow through the River Jordan. It's healthy, full of life, full of fish, and, 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 and you can buy one of those fish and you can eat it. It's full of bones, but Jesus ate it, so we eat it anyhow, all right? But because it is produced, there's no fish in the Dead Sea. It's just getting smaller and smaller and smaller. So where they used to have, you know, the places for tourists to go, where you could change your clothes, well, that's now a kilometer and a half away from the actual water, because it just keeps receding. The law is this, if you give out, if there's an outflow, you will also grow and expand. Praise God. God's grace will help us to do that. Now, the final law that I, you know, I've written a whole book about this law, so I'm just going to give you a synopsis, is the law of faith. That there is something, there is the secret sauce. You've heard about the secret sauce. We got the secret sauce, and that is the faith that God put in our heart. Look at this scripture here. This is Peter writing. You have received the same faith as we have by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. I so much love this verse. And I remember the first time I saw this. Simon Peter, the great man of God, the one whose shadow fell on the sick, the one who walked on the water and sank, and then he walked on the water again. I mean, he is such a hero of faith. He says to you here, you have to receive the same faith as I have. Come on, everybody, are you with me? You have the same faith as Simon Peter. You say, I don't feel like it. I'm not preaching what you feel. Well, I don't see it. I'm not preaching what you see. I am preaching what Jesus Christ and the scriptures have revealed to us. You have the same faith, and how do you have it? By the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. You have that faith. Now, once you realize this, you have faith. This, this is something that, that the world at large, they, without this life of Christ activated inside of you, all you can do is have a hopeful thought, a positive mental attitude, and granted, a positive mental attitude is a good thing. I'm all for it. How many rather have a positive mental attitude than a grump? Come on. But we have something beyond that. We have faith that we received through the righteousness of Jesus Christ. You have faith. And then what comes next, you decide whether you're going to use that faith or not. 
Jesus said, if you have a servant, do you feel bad asking your servant to do things for you? You know, if you, if you were so fortunate to have a chef, would you feel bad to ask your chef to cook a meal for you? Jesus is saying, of course not. What's he talking about? He's talking about faith. He's saying, faith is just like that. Use the faith you have. Sometimes we just go through life and we just try to figure everything out in our own mind. You have faith. You have that sense and that sixth sense that connects you with God's unlimited resources. And faith is like a muscle. If you use it, it will be ever-increasing faith. And if you don't use it, of course, it'll be a little smaller, but you still have it. You received it. And so, to me, uh, laws of success, principles of success, faith, to practice faith. And, and faith is not like you think it is. Some of the people who walk around saying, oh, I got faith, I got faith, I got faith, I'm full of faith. When, it, when it comes, push comes to shove, they're the most nervous people you ever meet. I'd rather meet someone who says, well, I don't know. I'm just trusting Jesus. You know, all the people, if you read my book on the faith that works, I said all the people in the Scripture that had great faith didn't know they had it. There's only two in the Scripture that had great faith that Jesus encountered, only two people, and neither one of them knew they had it. They didn't even know what great faith was. They had never been to a faith seminar. They never took the faith course at World Impact Bible Institute. They don't even know what faith was. But what they had was they had a great Jesus. They saw how great Jesus was. And then Jesus said to those people, great is your faith. It was not them saying, oh, 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 oh Jesus, oh, you, you just pray for me. I, I, I'm moving in faith. No. It was Jesus on the basis of their assessment of him who said, great is your faith. Great is your faith. So I hope this helped you a little bit of a, it's not bad. Usually Pastor Nathan and I only manage one point every Sunday. Now I've got through seven points. Come on, was that all right? Was that a little checkpoint? You can say, assess where you're at. Now I want to finish by saying this. I'm done the teaching just off the last verse. The, people think that when you receive Jesus Christ, when you are born again, or when you commit your life to Christ, they think it's just a mental... On some mental switch of belief and philosophical pursuit. You, you, you just kind of, and, and I understand that faith can be viewed as a doctrine, as a belief system, but the way I'm talking about it now, it's, it's an inner force. And so I want to alert to you, when, when someone recognizes my sins are forgiven, I have peace with God. The byproduct of that is you receive this gift of faith. And it's not just a mental thing that I have now decided I'm going to be a Christian. I am getting back to church. <laughs> no, it's a miracle. God's faith is in you. And, and you can use that. I think it's just excellent. I think it's great to live that way. And so I want to make sure before we pray for everybody here, that if you say, I, I need peace with God, I need to know my sins are forgiven, I need to know that, 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 that everything is clear, that I have peace in my heart, then please don't leave here. 
on, on this Sunday where you had every reason not to come because of the weather and everything else, don't, don't leave without responding to God's love for you. I want everyone to bow your head right now. And, uh, I, you know, I just want to ask, how many of you here would say, because well, I'm going to pray in a minute, just in a moment I'm going to pray. And if you said, Peter, I want to be included in this prayer. I would like to, I like to receive this gift of forgiveness of sin. I like to receive this new life through Christ. I want to, I want to know that I'm restored to Christ. And, and if you say, that's for me. And you know it inside. You feel it inside right now while I'm talking. And on every head is bowed. If you say, yes, I want to be included in that prayer, would you lift your hand way up high right now? Let me see. God bless you over here. God bless you over here. God bless you. God bless you. That's beautiful. Anybody else? God bless you. That's terrific. Let's all stand up right now. Everybody stand up all over the room. And I saw a gentleman here, a gentleman here, a lady over here. Uh, and maybe there are others that I missed. Let's everybody in the whole room pray right now. Would you pray like this? Would you say, Heavenly Father? Oh, come on, pray strong. Heavenly Father, thank you for your love for me. Thank you that Jesus put away my sins. Thank you for the gift of new life. And so, Jesus, I come to you. I thank you for loving me. Come and live in me. I believe my sins are forgiven. I believe in a new life because of Jesus Christ. Jesus is Lord. Amen. Oh, lift your hands and give God praise right now. Give a big clap. Oh, we thank you, Lord Jesus. We thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Amen. That is so beautiful. We have something outside. Just stay with me because I'm not done yet. We're going to pray something very, very important. Uh, we have something called a, a, a welcome center out there, just kind of close by the, by the exit. If you go there, that's where you can receive material that we offered. If, you know, it's a funny thing, if you come here for the first time, you get my book. You come for the second time, you get a mug. You come for the third time, you get nothing. All right, so, so that's kind of, I don't know, I guess we got to draw a line somewhere, Carrie, is that right? So the first time, you get a book. Second time, you get a mug. Second, third time, I don't know what we give you. Hopefully we bless you, okay? You get something. But, but, but at the same place, I always think of that every Sunday when I hear that announcement. I think, I'm a third time here. I got nothing today. But you know what? Everybody who's, who's praying or, or just saying, I, I want to receive this new life in Jesus Christ, we have that right there at the, the welcome table for you. And so you get this booklet, my other booklet, Salvation, God's Gift to You. Make sure you hook up. There are people there, and they're there for you. So you may as well go and hook up with them because they came for you. So if you don't come, they'll feel like they missed the whole purpose of life you know, for today. So, so go back there. But right now, let's, let's believe Jesus. Do you feel faith is stirring in your heart that God has something even greater for you? Do you feel like maybe I've been a little bit too much like the prairie chicken and I need to kind of go for a little bit higher? I, I, how many feel like I see something more? I, I, I know I'm a little rough. I'm a little bit, you know, a little bit awkward, but I see an angel in there. Anybody like that? Oh, come on. Don't be so humble that you can't even admit it now. How many say, I, I see an angel? Can you see that? Can you see something greater? Why don't we believe God today? Why don't we believe God? Come on up here, singers, by the way. I'm going to need you in a moment. Let's believe God today. Here we are, the beginning of a new decade. Let's trust God right now. Thank you, Lord. I want you to join hands with people that are 
with you. If you're by yourself, find somebody who doesn't look too scary and join hands with them if you want to do it. Or just join hand with your family. Do whatever way you want to do it. But if, if somebody looks really scary, I understand. Uh, but I don't think anybody that comes here, so that was a wrong excuse. But let's just pray. Let's believe God right now. Heavenly Father, I don't want to stand up here talking a bunch of principles and things rooted in, even if they're rooted in the Scripture, unless we're going to believe for it in our life. We're not here to waste our breath and just have some kind of gathering and then we go home and nothing changes. So I thank you, Holy Spirit, that these principles, these thoughts take root in our heart. Maybe somebody who says, I, I need to start using what I have. I thank you, Father, for that being more than a thought, but becoming a conviction, becoming a pursuit. I thank you for that one who says, I, I think I haven't really been blessing others like I should. Father, let that be more than a thought. Let it become rooted. Whatever area, whatever area, using our faith that you gave us. And Father, I pray over every business, every retired person, every student, everyone pursuing a university or college education right now, I, whatever people are pursuing, every retired person, everyone with little kids who have just been born, I pray right now. I thank you for the maximum life. I thank you for every person within the sound of my voice to be the person you intended them to be, to do what you intended, and to have everything that they need to accomplish their purpose. We thank you for this, Father, in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Give the Lord Jesus big praise right now. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. If you're sick in your body, put your hand on your chest right now. Father, I know one thing that is not easy to run with a vision when you're sick. So, Father, we thank you for healing and life. I thank you by the stripes of Jesus we were healed. And, Lord, right now, because we're believers, we lay hands on our own chest. And I thank you for health and life from the top of our head to the soles of our feet. I thank you for the life and health of God in our being. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Hallelujah. Oh, blessed be the name of Jesus. You know, are you going to be bold? I, I've been thinking about this quite a lot. I'm going to finish with this thought. Even in our work here, we're reaching, as you heard as Schubert was alluding to, we're reaching out to the world and we're doing things. And I said, Pastor Nathan now is meeting all kinds of, he was with, Abu Dhabu Hussein, something, some minister of religion here. I saw he sent me a picture. He's with this guy and with that guy. You know, we're doing big things. And I have just made an inward decision. And that is, we're going to see a lot of money come in for the gospel. A lot of it. I said to our staff, I said, when we come to our missions program, we just want every Canadian if they want to do something for the gospel, we want them to think about us. Because I think we, we give them the most bang for their buck. I'm just being honest with you. We see a lot of people come to Christ. Hallelujah. And, and, and so I'm, I'm, I, I am a, we, I'm legitimate. Say it. You say it. I'm legitimate. Say it. Say it. You're a legitimate contender here. You're, you're not an intruder trying to, you know, make something happen for myself. No, you're a joint heir with Jesus Christ. Act like it. All right, I'm done preaching.